0: Okay, well, if you are new, welcome to Seacoast. (laughs) This is obviously a little bit different than our normal routine. If you are, well, I guess if you're new, it's not obviously different, but this is different than our normal routine. If you're regular, this is obviously different, but we are glad to have you here. And I know for some of you, maybe, maybe you think, wow, can, is church, can it be chaotic? Is that okay? And yes, it's Okay. It's okay. Um, God loves kids. so and One thing I love is, is seeing the energy and the excitement. And when they worship, sometimes we can learn a lot, can't we not? Just to say, wait, they actually don't care who's looking at them. Sometimes too much, if you're related to me. But um, <laughs> it's always the pastor's kid who's bouncing the most. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, and he doesn't even know I said that, so that's perfect. <laughs> well, hey, this morning, we are a few days after Christmas here, and I don't know about for you, but sometimes, I, I hopefully you had a great Christmas this year, and, and we're able to enjoy, hopefully you took some of the challenges we were talking about this last month, about be Christmas, and to really take a step back from all of the do, 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 and all the things that have to get done, and, and hopefully some of you just were able... To say, how can I embody this message of Christmas? Mm. And how can I take some time to to be the hands and feet of Jesus with the people with whom I'm interacting for this month? And hopefully we carry that on. Because as a church, we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus all year round, not just during December, by the way. (laughs) But sometimes when we go through Christmas, I don't know, uh, yesterday it was nice, crisp air. It was kind of cool. I was looking around our house, and there's still a lot of stuff everywhere. So we kind of started cleaning up. And once I get going, I kind of feel like just totally cleaning house. And I didn't. We stopped, but um, but we got. You know, one of the things that I was thinking yesterday is that it doesn't take long, does it, to have Christmas end and then be like, okay, clean up. It's time for New Year. Let's just move on. And sometimes we don't take the time to stop and to continue to remember this amazing miracle that Jesus. His birth means that God is with us. And this morning we're going to continue on, and and we're going to even in our teaching do things a little different this morning. I have uh, Jordan, who's our junior high pastor, who's going to help out as well, which is great. But this morning what I want to do as we look into this passage is let's ask the question, okay, Jesus is born. He's on earth. Let's take a moment this morning to read a familiar passage, maybe for some. Maybe some you've never heard it before, but it's in Luke chapter 2, and I want to invite you to turn there this morning. And in Luke chapter 2, we're going to pick it up in verse 40, because today in, in this story, this is what happens after Jesus is born. In fact, not just after he was born, but this is years down the road, and we're going to look into a story of his life when we find him as, like, 12 years old. Now, how many of you, I'm going to ask the kids. Okay, kids, Jordan, go ahead and stand up. If I was going to do a skit um, with, and have someone be Jesus, do you think, would he work? <laughs> Will this guy work? Oh. Yeah. Hey, hey, Ben, Ben, stand up. Come here. Stand up, Ben. Stand right here next to Jordan. Which one would be a better Hello. Jesus Hello. For, for a skit? <laughs> Jordan? Jordan? What do you guys think? Kids, what do you think? Jordan? <laughs> or do you think we should have Ben be Jesus in the skit? Ah, you guys are smart. So today we are looking at Jesus at 12 years old. So this is most likely not Jesus at 12 years old. Except for, let's be honest, we all knew that guy <laughs> at 12 years old who did look like that. But
1: <laughs> <laughs> not, me, not me.
0: But this is probably more likely the picture of the story of Jesus today. Go ahead, Ben. You can have a seat. You did an amazing job. Amazing. Stood here and everything. <laughs> so today we're talking about the story of Jesus when he's 12, which is kind of often forgotten. So Luke chapter 2, verse 40. Let's read this together, and I'm just going to fill in some blanks, and Jordan then will um, bring in some application for us today. It says this, The child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. And when he became 12, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. So I want you guys to notice something here. It said his family went to Jerusalem every year for the Feast of Passover. What this indicates to us is that he comes from a very devout family. A family that took their faith very serious because it was no easy journey to get down to Jerusalem for Passover. But it's something that was very important to those, the most devout. And it says every year they went. And when Jesus became 12 years old, they went up there according to their custom. Now, 12 years old in the, in the Jewish world is one year before he essentially becomes an adult. So, I know some of you who have teenagers, you think, really? 13 is an adult? And maybe some of us have said that to our kids. You're an adult now, or you're becoming an adult? But let's be honest. Okay, I'm moving on. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so 12 years old is the last year that Jesus was under the full authority of his parents. Verse 43. As they were returning, so when they were heading home after the Feast of Passover, after spending the full number of days, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents were unaware of it. But they supposed that he was in the caravan, and they went a day's journey, and they began looking for him among their relatives and acquaintances. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teacher's he was both listening to them and asking them questions. So a couple things really quickly. Um, they went home. They left Jerusalem back to Galilee. And they left their kid in Jerusalem. Now, all of us who are parents have done something similar in the past. So we all have grace, I know, with that. I've gone home from church before and gotten a call, say, so you want to come get your kids? <laughs> like, no, I left them here on purpose. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so... This, you could think, okay, maybe it makes sense. But they had gone a day's journey. A day's journey. They assumed he was somewhere else. And Jordan will mention it in a little bit, but they were traveling as a caravan, partly for safety, and, and, and so that's how you would travel in this huge group. And most likely what happened is a lot of times the, the men were, uh, would be, uh, the women and the children would kind of go up on the front, and some of the men would be lagging behind. The older boys, for sure, would just assume that they, they're fine, they're with us somewhere. Boys will be boys. They're hanging out, but they'll they'll make it. And so, somewhere on the first night, they got to their camp probably and looked around like, "Hey, where did Jesus go? We need someone to do the dishes. Where'd he go?" <laughs> and he's not there. And so it took him a full day journey back. That's two days. And then they were back in Jerusalem and they found him on the third day, in the temple. And they found him and he they found him di- discussing and dialoguing with the teachers. And all who heard Jesus teaching were amazed at his understanding and at his answers. and when they saw him, they were astonished. and his mother said to him, "Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you." And he said to them, "Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house?" Now, I know again, if you were a parent, this conversation, it just sounds like it probably went a little differently than that, didn't you think? <laughs> Why have you treated us this way? He said, but you should have known that I was here. So a question that should come to my, our minds when we read this is if we are to believe that Jesus is without sin, then what he did here is not a sin. So there's some blanks that we don't have filled in. I'm not going to fill them all in for you right now, but those are questions you should ask. Wait a minute. What is it? Did he was his treatment of them not a sin? He wasn't disobeying, so what was going on? We don't have all the answers, but it's something we need to be asking. And we have some, some ideas, and Jordan will mention again. I'm putting, you all, I'm putting it all on you, Jordan. Woo! <laughs> and he says, we've been anxiously looking for you. He says, why were you looking? You knew where I had to be. And a lot of our translations said, I had to be in my father's house. And, and some of your translations would say, I had to be about my father's business. And that's a better translation than house. It probably has, because what he's saying, it had to be about my father's business, is what he really said. And they did not understand the statement which he made to him. And they, then he went down with them to Nazareth, and he continued in subjection to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So Jesus went, and he continued on in subjection to them as a 12-year-old. Is normal. And I want us just to notice a few things here, or actually just one thing, is, and then Jordan's going to come on up, is Jesus keeps incre- kept increasing in wisdom and in stature, in favor with God and man. And this is another question that would come up, right? If this is God in flesh, how does this work that he continues to grow? How is he growing in wisdom? And again, I'm just kind of putting it out there to l- create some tension for us this morning without answering it all. A great place to turn is Philippians 2. We're not doing that today. But there's something going on where it says Jesus being the very nature God emptied himself. And he went through life as you and I go through life. Jesus was this age once. And maybe when you hear this story and you look around and see these kids, Jesus was like this one time. I have a feeling that he showed up at church and when they had donuts, he's like, sweet donuts this morning. And they're free. He was a kid. He had to like stuff like that. Did he have sports that he played? Can you believe it? Jesus may have played sports. I don't know if he would have liked the Broncos, but, you know, <laughs> the whole Bronco <laughs> family up here, that's pretty bold today. That's good. Uh, <laughs> guy on the next couch is wearing his Chargers jersey, so, you know. <laughs> and you're here, by the way. Thank you. It's 10 <laughs> o'clock game. But yeah, Jesus experienced life like that. He likes sports, probably. He had days when he probably didn't feel well. He went through life like you and I, and he continued to grow in wisdom and in stature. So to really understand a little bit more of this story, I'm going to ask Jordan to kind of finish it up for us.
1: Thank you, Ryan. Um, My name is Jordan, as Ryan said. Um, I am the junior high pastor and director. And... Pardon me. I'm excited to be here this morning. See so many familiar faces, and um, <clears throat> maybe I look familiar to you. Um, maybe I don't, because maybe it's been a while since you've seen me, and this has grown out. And maybe I do look a little more like our our typical image of Jesus. Um, probably not. Hopefully. Um, But specifically, um, one thing about me is, um, like, when I was these guys' age, and probably, like, most of us, like Ryan said, there was this one, all of us have probably experienced at some time in our life being lost or wandering off from our parents or, you know, that point where mom and dad or someone has to call over the intercom, like, Jordan, someone is looking for you at the front, and it's like, that happened to me probably if... Probably more than my parents would have liked when I was a kid. But what's interesting is I didn't realize that I actually still do this today. Um, as I've gotten to know, um, my family in law, Whitney, my wife, who was just up here, her mom kind of let me bring, brought this to my attention a few years ago. Um, that I still do this. I still wander off. There will be a time where we'll be at the mall or at the store or somewhere, and a few minutes go by, and they're walking. They're like, where is Jordan? And apparently, like, I like to think that it's like I'm really deep in thought, and I'm just kind of like wandering, pondering, like, the things of the universe and about God and his character. But it, it really is the fact that I'm, I'm just getting distracted by something, and I'm like, oh, shiny object. And I go off, and I go explore it. And that that really is, but I didn't know that I'd do that still. Um, and they're all nodding over here. They're like, yeah, you do that a lot. Um, and so when, when I read this story, a lot of times I think of Jesus kind of like in this type of situation, that he was wandering off like I do. But as we read it or as, as we start to get into it, it, it wasn't really totally like that. Um, and so let's get into it. Um, I like to, uh, as I... As I read this, I think I find three distinct parties with three distinct reactions. If you have um, your notes, um, they're in there. Um, But if you're following along, three distinct parties with three distinct reactions. The first one, we see 12-year-old Jesus. We see Jesus as a 12-year-old. Yeah, yeah little fist bumps from a couple of 12 year olds because really a lot of times i think when we read through the bible or when we think about jesus our image of jesus is probably more either when he was in a baby like we celebrate at christmas time or he is uh, an adult you know 30 something year old with a beard and you know all the miracles and walking on water and and hanging from the cross and resurrecting and all these things but a lot of times i don't think we at least myself, I don't think of Jesus as an adolescent, as a 12 year old. Um, and so it's really interesting. He probably did look a lot more like Ben Tkach than than me at this phase. <clears throat> and then the second party, the, the second distinct party, we have the crowd and the teachers gathered in the temple. The crowd and the teachers gathered at the temple. And then the third one, and we're going to go through all of these, we have Mary and Joseph and their company. And so first, we're going to look at Jesus as a 12-year-old. And where is he? He's where? He's, wh- where's Jesus? Yeah, he's at the temple. Thanks, two of you. Um, he's at the temple asking a bunch of questions in discussions with the the, um, the teachers and, and the people who are at the temple. And we're going to discuss those first two two together, 12-year-old Jesus with the crowd and the teachers gathered at the temple, for you linear thinkers. Um, But verse 47 tells us about their reaction to Jesus. That that the people were amazed at his answers, his responses, his questions, and his understanding. The word amazed, if we stop there for a second, I love that use of the word. Because that word amazed, specifically that that usage of the word is used one to two other times in the Gospels. That word is, well I'm going to try to pronounce it in Greek, but it's like existemi or existemi. Exist to me and the, another usage of the word was when the two ladies were looking for jesus's body after he after he was after he died they went to the tomb to look for him and they were they were greeted by this angelic being and it says that they were amazed and that usage of the word means to be beside oneself to be astounded to be in awe. Can you imagine being confronted like that? And that same usage of the word is used for this 12-year-old and his responses in this conversation. Think about it. All these people are hearing and witnessing 12-year-old Jesus and his questions and his discussion with the teachers and the people at the temple, and they're just blown away. It would be as if, you know one of those services when we have Ryan and Dale come up here, and maybe an elder, and and we're texting in questions that are showing up there. And uh, one of our 12-year-olds just stands up and starts verbalizing his questions, and everyone around is like, "Man, that was that was a really good question. I wouldn't have even thought of that." And he goes on, it's like, "Man, this kid is really with it. How does he how is he asking these questions? What insight? How astonishing!" Would it be to be at the temple to witness 12-year-old Jesus, this 12-year-old kid just asking such personal questions about the character and nature of God, probably referencing and citing Scripture and glorifying God in such an insightful and such a personal way? This 12-year-old. How amazing would it be? How amazing would it be if we just on one Sunday, had one of our, our sixth graders come up here and give the sermon. And it just blew any sermon that Ryan or Dale or, or of course, me, out of the water. How amazing would it be to witness that? But I love um, this story, and we'll get, we'll get into why I love this story. But then we have this third group, right? Mary and Joseph and their company. And Ryan gave us a little bit of insight into that, um, But typically, as they traveled, they traveled back as a group, kind of like a caravan. And um, it was typical for, like Ryan said, the adults, um, or like the the 12-year-old men or uh, the 12-year-old boys, to be hanging out together. It also could have been another scenario with maybe the women traveling with the kids, and then the men walking as a group. And Jesus, 12 years old, about to become a man at 13, could have possibly been walking with them. And so like this whole parental situation, Mary saying to Joseph, wait, I thought he was with you. And him saying, well, I thought he was with you. How could we lose him? And specifically, if you think about it, they just lost the Savior of all mankind. Like, literally, you just lost the Messiah. Like, Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. Like, I wonder what the Greek or Hebrew word for God not with us is. Or, or God left in Jerusalem during the Passover feast. I wonder what it is. But they just lost him. But as we as we recognize and we think about the context of that group traveling together, we're able to see that it was pro- it was pretty easy for Jesus to get kind of mi- get caught in the mix or or um, to kind of get left behind in a sense with all the commotion going on with their traveling. And so when I read this story, I kind of a question k- comes up, and I think it's okay to ask this question because I think it's pretty normal. And my question is, was Jesus in the wrong at all for disappearing and causing his parents to worry? Was Jesus wrong at all for disappearing and not telling his parents where he went? And I think that's a fair question, because I know when I disappeared, um, a lot of times it was a bad thing. But a couple of points. We know we know that Jesus was without sin, yes? Amen. <laughs> Another question is, what was his motive for staying behind? What was Jesus' motive for staying behind? And as, as Ryan um, let us know, um, they went here every year. Jesus is 12, right? If they're going here every single year, this isn't their first rodeo. If you think about it, <clears throat> Ryan kind of brought up this point this week as we were talking about this story, and... Um, I think it's, it's a really great, it's a wonderful thing to maybe think about as they're walking through every year and Jesus is getting older and older and they're walking through Jerusalem every year for, for the Passover feast. We ever, or I ever wonder, I wonder if Jesus ever, like as he was walking by the temple every year, like, man, I just want to go up there. I just want to interact with them. I just want to ask questions. I just want to pick their brains. I just want to see where where their hearts are. I just want to like just be there with those people at the temple. And maybe before they left this year, Jesus and his parents or Mary and Joseph had talked like, okay, mom and dad, this is the year. I'm going to go up to the temple and I'm going to interact with the people. All right. And perhaps that's why jesus when they came and they were like where were you how could you do this to us and maybe his response was like dude you knew where i'd be we we talked about this already perhaps that could be that could be it but regardless i love jesus's heart in this he's all about his father's business and when we read the word, when we read scripture, it's, it's great to ask questions. And I think for our first point, if you're following along in your notes, um, one of the first things that we, we should ask when we're reading scripture is what can we learn about God? What can we learn about God? And in this story, I think we see that Jesus has experienced humanity just as we have. Jesus has experienced humanity just as we have. Yet was without sin. You think about it again. Jesus wasn't born a 30-year-old, 30-something-year-old man with a beard. He grew up. He developed. He experienced life. He experienced that pain in your bones when they're growing and stretching. He experienced. I wonder if he ever experienced like a a crush. It, It says in the Bible that he was tempted. Actually, in Hebrews chapter 4, it says Jesus was tempted in every way. And so I wonder, one of these temptations, and this is just me, but I wonder, I always wondered if Jesus was ever tempted to share some of his divine abilities. Like, dude, it would be so funny if I made this goat talk and just like sent it to these girls over and totally freaked them out. <laughs> or if he was ever left alone at home when... You know, Mary and Joseph went out to the market and he was just at home with his buddies and he was like, dude, we should turn these water into wine coolers and totally just drink. If he was ever tempted to do that, and and do that, probably not, but I, I wonder. He was t- It says he was tempted. And I know I probably would have blown this, like this whole divine thing by like age seven, definitely by age nine for sure. But as we see on Hebrews on the screen... Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 um, and 16, as it's pulled up on the screen, says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with us, with our weaknesses, rather. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Verse 16, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. God knows our struggles. He was here. He experienced life. He experienced growth. He experienced development. He grew as a person in stature and in wisdom. And I love this verse because it allows us to know that he knows it. He can relate to it. Yet he was without sin and we can approach God's throne of grace. God's throne of grace with confidence. Knowing confidently that he has experienced temptation in every way that we have. And and like that in Philippians chapter 2 verse 7, it talks about how he was willing to forego the full use of his divine powers made in human likeness. It says rather he made himself nothing nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness I think sometimes we forget the fact that although he was without sin he was still human He was still tempted he still grew up He still went through a developmental phase And one of the things I love the most about this story is seeing how Jesus, as he was developing or as he was developed, he was being developed into a teen and into a person and the confidence that he has in God as his father, developing his identity, being founded in his heavenly father. There's this guy, Eric Erickson, um, some of you might know, he he did a lot of research and, and wrote a, a, even a lot of books on human growth and development. And he calls this phase where Jesus is, this adolescent phase, um, where he is, a, a phase of role confusion versus identity. Role confusion versus identity identity is the adolescent phase. And so, not just Jesus, but all of us go through this phase and... You either kind of develop into or develop out of this phase with role confusion, not quite understanding who you are, being confused about your identity, being confused about what your purpose is, just not, not quite having a grasp on who you are as a person, holistically, mind, body, and soul. But Or you can develop out of this phase, according to Eric Erickson, with a, great, with a strong sense of identity, And what I love about this uh, this story that we see, we see Jesus with his identity being founded in God the Father. And so, as we we saw with our first point, we got to ask the question: What can what does this say about God? What does this story? What does Scripture say about God, His character, who He is? What he thinks, all these things. Another another great point, number two, a thing that we ought to ask when we read Scripture is what can we learn? What can I learn from this? And I think something that we can learn from this is that Jesus is so taken by God the Father and his glory that to him it doesn't make sense to be anywhere else. He is so taken by God's glory, by God's character. That to him, it doesn't make sense to be anywhere else but about his father's business or at his father's house. You see, sometimes we can be under the impression that everything that we're doing is all about God. Yeah, you know, I'm just doing this, doing this for God. But sometimes can be a little steeped in ourselves. And I know I experience this because it feels good to get the attention sometimes of others. And sometimes my motives aren't as pure as I'd like them to be, or as as, as I hope they are. But we ought to remember that Jesus is always where he ought to be. He is always where he belongs and is willing, is willing to welcome us back when we aren't. Jesus is so taken by God the Father and his glory that to him it doesn't make sense to be anywhere else. And so ask yourselves, let's ask ourselves this morning, when you are unable to be reached, like your cell phone is off or, or it died or you've been off Facebook or Twitter or Instagram for like a week or two, you're just kind of off the grid. When, when people can't find you, is it, do you think they can assume where you are or, or what you're about at that moment? Or do you even know that about yourself? Do people know that about you? I'll ask this in another way. Are you so about the glory of God the Father that when you are off the grid, when you are unreachable, people know that they can find you about the Lord's business? Look, I haven't found or I haven't heard from Jordan in a while. He's, he's been off Instagram for like two hours. No, he's been off Instagram for like two weeks and I can't find him. But I bet, I'm willing to bet that I know where he is. I'm willing to bet that he's about the Lord's business. And man, I would love it if that was the case. And probably more often than not, I think people could assume where I am. And um, it's probably not always about the Lord's business if I'm being honest with myself. And what I mean by that too it doesn't necessarily mean always being at the church. Like so, like when you're off the grid or not able to be found, like you're here at Seacoast finding things to do, which if you want to volunteer your time, you're welcome to. We would love to. There are people who do that, and I think that's awesome. And it is awesome to be able to be here, but it's not just about the, bu- the building. It's with your, is your heart focused and attuned to the heart of God? about his business, about his kingdom, about his heart. And so as, as we, we close, like I said at the beginning, I tend to wander off from time to time. <laughs> I do. And for those times when I tend to wander off, may I, remind, may I be reminded, may I remember, may we be reminded, may we even remind one another That God understands that fact about us. That I know that He can relate to us because He's been tempted in every way, but He was without sin. And we are all going through a developmental phase in one way or another. Whether you're five years old, you're 35 years old, 55, or 105, we're all being developed in some way or another. But through Jesus' death and resurrection, God, our Father, has made it possible for us to approach the throne of grace. To approach God's throne of grace with confidence, knowing that our identity is founded in Him. I love this story because we see Jesus with His identity being so founded in God that He is God's Son. And because of what Jesus has done on the throne, we have that opportunity to approach God's throne of grace with confidence. With confidence, knowing that we can approach Him, knowing that He can relate to it. And so we, may we leave here encouraged this morning that wherever you are, wherever you are, may you approach God's throne. Recognizing that it is indeed a throne of grace, and that you can approach it confidently in the life, death and resurrection that Jesus Christ experienced on our behalves. What an amazing thing. And may our hearts be so taken by God the Father, that when we are off the grid, or even on the grid, that we are about His business, may we be a people who are so taken by God and His glory that we are about him and his kingdom. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the fact that we're able to to see into the life of our Savior, of Jesus Christ, Lord. I thank you for the fact that he lived a life and that we get to see that he developed. And sometimes we get discouraged by looking at the perfect life and the fact that Jesus didn't sin. And we're like, I could never do that, Lord. But may we be reminded of the fact that we can approach your throne and that it is indeed a throne of grace. May you implant, implant that into our hearts, into our minds, Lord, and renew us to remember, Lord, that we can approach you confidently and recognize, Lord, that that you experience life. You experience growth. You experience developing development. And yet we're without sin. And so God, I pray, Lord, that we would be reminded of that fact, that we can approach you. And may we grow in our hearts affection for you. We love you, God, and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.